0: Good morning people of the internet, you're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I'm your co-host Dev.
1: And I'm Hugh, and on today's show we're looking at minute, minute
0: 34. a 34. <laughs> Did we just switch roles? Yes, sorry Yes,
1: you switched roles. I was (laughs) just thinking to myself, what is he doing? But that's fine. We're looking at minute 34, and at this point, Debbie deciding to open up the interview to uh, call us in is going to prove for an amusing twist on the relationships between different characters in this
0: film. Joining us all this week, we have Bubble Wheat of the Fight Club Minute podcast. Welcome back, Bubble Wheat.
2: Yeah, it's been a fun week. It's uh, almost over, but not quite. We're getting there, we're getting there.
0: You can see The Weekend on the Horizon. <laughs> Just out there.
1: Indeed, indeed it is. So, <clears throat> we are now at that point where we mentioned earlier the uh, wonderful por- uh, performances of Azaria and Freeman as the government agents who are put onto Martin's trail by Grocer in an act of uh, cynical revenge uh but also something that belies grosser's words about wanting to support his fellow hitman uh <laughs> in that the moment he's annoyed he, he basically you know um uh what's the word i'm looking for he uh, betrays him straight away to the authorities which also uh we we felt early on in this podcast run that that's backs up a suggestion of how we think this particular fictional world is built in that we think that most of the hitmen in it are ex military because there doesn't seem to be any great surprise from the agents that they have his that he has their phone number or that he talks, he can talk to them by on a first name basis you know I think uh, certainly for
0: these two yeah i mean when he goes through that list of uh hitmen kind of known known characters on the rosters it's like the ecstasy guys um and then there's the the butch Filipino ladies, the queens of the hotel hit. Like, I'm not so sure that they're ex-military, for instance, but mm. it definitely mm. feels like both Grocer and Blank come from that background.
1: Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And here we're about to see exactly how unusual they can be as agents.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we've got the NSA guys who've decided that they're bored enough on this stakeout they wanna start stirring shit up and uh <laughs> <laughs> phone in to troll the troll blank over the airwaves. Uh in the possibly the least professional move they make in this <laughs> entire movie. <laughs> uh
1: but it is beautifully handled.
2: Yeah, it it's is. great and even though that's they are pretty much I I mean they probably already know that he's uh, he's made them but they he's also basically tipping him off that's uh that they're there for him with uh with like the i don't i don't uh remember if he says his name or if he says his real name but i think you know whenever he talks about the them uh, the town tying the yellow ribbon which yeah. that's that's a pretty clear the, clear um Signal that he knows that he's military, and the only person there or, or the only people that would know that he uh joined the army would be people that know him as a hitman because everybody in the town just knows him that he disappeared 10 years ago.
0: Yep, exactly. Um, I think he says Martin, I think he calls him Martin, right? And uh, yeah, it's I, I love the fact that they, the two of them, get such a kick out of it as well. After Debbie hangs up on them, it's just like it's two frat boys pulling a prank. It's yes. just like it's that glee.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 once again, we get a sense of who these people might have been when they were younger. You know, you, you know, in this film, you know who everyone was when they were at high school. There's just something about the way they are as adults that makes it <laughs> pretty clear what they're like. As you say, these guys were a couple of fair boys.
0: So, Bubba Wheat, the yellow ribbon thing, I did not know this one for the longest time. Do you want to give us a little bit of background on it? I,
2: I mean, I don't know the the exact uh, history. I I mostly know it from the, the old song, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree. And uh, that's something that I've I've heard of whenever I was younger, and it, I I feel like it was something that I that possibly came up whenever I was in high school. So I I don't have a strong memory about it, but I know that that's something that that you would do for uh, you know uh, military people whenever they return home, as you would tie a yellow ribbon oh. uh, and. Uh, f- I guess in celebration, or I, I forget exactly why, but I know that that was a tradition to um, to signal uh, to show your support for uh, soldiers returning home.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think this is something that's lost on uh, the, the <laughs> British among us because um, it's it's not a thing in the UK. I think um, poppies are possibly the closest analogy I can think of, uh, which yeah. is a very different sentiment um but yeah so you know just a a thing to welcome back veterans returning from deployment uh, or Mm. returning from service um and and i
2: believe it was uh, like world war one world war two era i'm not sure how if it goes back farther than that or past that but i i believe that's when it was the most popular, was around that era.
0: <clears throat> oh, interesting. I'd assumed because of the song, I just, in my head, it was a Civil War reference. So,
1: yeah, according to American Songwriter website, it is a Civil War reference. Hmm. Um, so where is it? Hang on, I'm just scrolling down. It dates back to the 1800s. A love story in readers digest about the Civil War era is what first prompted the songwriters later on to pen the tune Uh, the article was about a soldier coming home from Andersonville Andersonville prison in the Civil War, going to Pennsylvania, told his girl in a letter, I'll understand if I should stay on the stagecoach, but if I shouldn't tie a big yellow handkerchief on the big oak tree outside of town, and then I'll know if it's there, I should get off. But I'll understand that you found someone else in the last three years. Um, And so that's when in the 70s, they decided to turn it into um, a song. Uh, and while the song has been around since the Civil War, the Library of Cron- Congress credits the pop song as having granted the phrase "cultural ubiquity." And then in 1981, uh, the following the Iran hostage crisis, because the hostages were welcome home with, with the Yellow Ribbon, it suddenly became a thing that people kept asking questions, and the Library of Congress was flooded with requests for an explanation as to the background. Uh, okay, well. So that's quite interesting. That is very quite. For me, the only I mean, I only. Uh, my only uh, reference to the whole thing was uh, John Wayne, you know, she wore a yellow ribbon, Uh, and that was it this is, yeah, all very, very new to me, Uh, and fascinating
0: (laughs) yeah, Uh, this is one of those ones that I just on rewatching the film several times I did not understand the reference at all, and was like, I gotta look it up, I gotta figure out what this is (laughs) this is about Um, yeah, it's, um once again, it's a really nice, succinct way of making that, that reference that you pointed out, Bubble Wheat, that they know he's ex-military, because that's, that's what it's all meaning, and the fact that they're highlighting that nobody else has put out yellow ribbons, like nobody else knows mm. where he's been, or what he's been doing. So,
1: interestingly enough, I've just found a BBC article. Uh, it the practice. This is from 2014, but the practice has made its way over here uh, because we had um, a yellow. So there's a Yellow Ribbon Foundation in 2003 that was founded, but over here it's actually become associated with missing people. It's actually apparently quite common in Britain these these to actually tie the yellow ribbon around wherever you're leaving the flowers pictures what have you you know tie it to the ribbon to the the railings of the tree or what have you apparently this has become quite common i had no idea either uh so very very fascinating that it's it's been co-opted and 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 shifted in in emphasis over here wow that's very different
0: yeah cool yeah i think it also has ties to uh, AIDS before the AIDS ribbon was rebranded, yeah, and yeah, suicide yeah. prevention pink. as well. So, yeah. yes, uh, a variety of things, but it does feel like uh, veterans returning home is, is <coughs> the original and the biggest use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Right,
0: so um, yeah, it's it's interesting watching Martin's re- reaction to these guys calling in as well he's gone he's no longer you know he was the chastised boy and then he was sulking and and as soon as he hears those voices and and what they're saying he becomes very serious and that's when he's like okay this was not a good idea like i'm out like you know uh Mm -hmm. this 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 interview is over kind of a thing
1: It is such a fascinatingly good example of how not to do an interview in radio. <laughs> <laughs> you put the, yeah, you know, it's emotion. It's a mix of you know interrogation, emotional manipulation, putting someone on the spot, uh, turning them into you know uh, uh, uh,
0: an instant circus for the for the audience. You know, it's everything you shouldn't do. That, that radio was... interview classic, the hostile witness, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's also just such a joy to watch. It's such a joy. I love the fact that us going over this again and again and again never robs me of the joy of the way it's put together and the and, and the the emphasis and the acting and just oh yeah, mini drivers just it's so funny. You just hell hath no fury, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. One one other thing that I noticed because it, it's something that I've been looking at a lot with Fight Club is, a, and in Fight Club, there's a lot of color theory based on the the colors that the main characters wear. Right. And in this one, I think it, it is important to note that in this scene, um, Debbie is wearing a you know a bright red um, mm-hmm. sweater, and the and this is you know whenever she's shutting him down. And it's not until whenever they get to the uh reunion party uh, then she's wearing green
0: yeah that's yeah. right yeah it, it 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 she does you know soften visually as well as um, mm. you know, in personality as the as the film progresses with that that downtone from the, the strong that strong red color to a more accessible green. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah, no. The film is definitely aware of what it's doing in that sense. The the color color coding is a thing, without a doubt. Um, as well as also markers of class, because we said when we talked about Grosser and Blank talking to each other, and there is a distinct sense of a more working class attitude in Grosser versus a slightly more middle class take in in Blank. Uh, and again, here, yeah, you know, she 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 is still. Fairly well off, and from a well-off family, and as you said in a previous episode, Deb, you know she, it, it's quite—it is entirely possible she doesn't have to do anything to work for a living. Hence, why she can just be a small-town DJ and still have the life that she has. And so, just maybe, maybe that's part of what we're seeing here as well. There's the color coding, and then there's also the quality of what she wears and the style of what she wears, yeah. Um because she still dresses in a way that's—it—it—it's it, it, a, a fine line. It's, ba- it's a balance of girly and womanly, but at the same time, it's also not. She doesn't tend to dress the way we see other women in. Well, as we as as you know, the film moves through the town. We tend to see other women in the town dress in much more conservative, with a small c ways.
0: Yeah, even you know? uh, um, Marsha, the the secretary is dressed much more formally. Right, like I think Debbie is probably the most casually dressed at all points yeah in the film among the actresses yeah but mm. yeah.
1: well, then that gives her that cool chick vibe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know no, yeah this, even this is...
0: Anne kusak's character in the the hippo club which you could yeah. imagine imagine being a little more dressed down for she's pretty well dressed up right like it's a Pantsuit or whatever—it's mm. still pretty formal. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Uh, I'm just trying to think. What do we think of um, the actual dialogue that we hear when it comes to um, uh, the, the 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 different things that are being said by the people ringing in? Um, you know, we talked about the community last uh episode and the sense of the type of people who live there but and we've talked about the yellow ribbon but also there's this sense of uh everyone seems to ring in with their own agenda rather than really truly addressing what she's doing if that that's, makes sense
0: i mean i feel like that's that's inherent to <laughs> radio phone right like i, I the woman I, that wants I, the oh, romantic outcome projects the romantic outcome the guy that's jaded and cynical projects the jaded and cynical yeah
2: Yeah. and i like i do like the fact that uh he uh, the guy mentions that he he doesn't hear any remorse in his voice which that's i think that's important for the the relationship and shows that he's kind of on her side and on the two of them not getting together but and also the fact that he's a hitman as his professional life, so he's probably used to not having remorse for, for mm, uh, yeah, the, the things that he's true. done in
1: his life. Yeah, That's a good, that's a good point. point. Wow. So, yeah, going back to the original script as well, I don't think... Uh, I think, I mean, the idea of the, those sorts of people calling him is definitely on the page, but they don't um as far as I can see, they don't actually have the agents
0: call in. No. No, that uh, wasn't in the original script at all. And
1: I think that I think that's that's really interesting. Um because yeah, now I can't imagine it without that. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it. It's that that seems exactly the sort of thing that makes this film the kind of film that it is, you know. The weirdness of having these guys just decide, yeah, we're just gonna be unprofessional and silly and have a laugh and just for the sake of it and wind up the guy we're supposed to be planning to execute at some point.
2: Yeah. I also noticed in the, in the script, there's a, a, a call in that's just a complete a waste of time, comedic beat. It, it, it almost uh, sounds like it's uh, it was written to be like, butthead from beavis and
1: butthead yeah and just,
2: <laughs> just like <laughs> laughing and swearing
1: yeah yeah that was that was the weird one yeah almost like it's somebody left over from the high school like did you guys do it you know kind of <laughs> thing um but i mean to be fair we do meet a guy a bit like that when we get to the ball but yeah i don't think it was meant to those two things were meant to to have anything in common so yeah that is a good point
0: fair. and another of the uh um symptoms of a bunch of guys doing the script writing <laughs> yeah yeah there's that
1: hmm.
0: but you know
1: it's not all i mean i i think i think and again this is the problem with analyzing a film where we've had to uh we've had to kind of mine our way through interviews and um, you know, comment throwaway comments here and there in, 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 in press junkets for other films, and you know, to try and glean what you do without having a dedicated documentary or uh, commentary for, on, on any of the releases. It, it, you can only speculate. You know, like how much we we know from the interview, the 2012 interview with the director online that he shot. We've said this several times, but you know, this idea of shooting the scene as written the scene as written but played entirely for laughs and then the go, go nuts uh, uh, take and then sem- working it all out through in assembly and editing to, to the version we have. I keep wondering if, if there was another draft before they shot or if the changes to the women come about through the casting and it's the women themselves saying, actually, no, I think we should do this or you know what she would do?
0: Yeah, and I mean, that kind of the open takes that, that Armitage shot could well have contributed to that as well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. And I wonder, so like, like you were talking about the the lack of a, in the last episode, you were talking about the lack of a, a wide shot so that we can see Martin being uh, used like a puppet, right, by, by Debbie, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I wonder if, part of the, the 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 back and forth that I described as like a tennis match between them and the editing. I wonder if part of that is actually uh because they're piecing they're from completely different takes. In each case, you know, one take with him and a totally different take of her and therefore that's partly why the editing style has to be this back and forth. And we can't cut to the wide shot because actually then we don't then we'll lose part of what's making those scenes work I, I i sometimes wonder if that's maybe a thing
0: i think also just for that whole sequence you know the the the, the tennis match of shots as you call it, they're all mm. fairly tightly cropped it it's meant to give a slightly mm. claustrophobic vibe mm. to to the shooting i think i don't think a wide angle at that point would work you know you've got yeah true. um the the shots on debbie have martin in the foreground uh out of focus and and the shots of Martin are very, very heavily cropped on his face most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as he's kind of opting out of the conversations, the, the shots start widening out a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, fascinating to find that you know, this level of sort of technical skill that we can discuss in, in this level of detail when we're just looking at one minute.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Ah, I love this film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, has anyone else got anything for this minute? No. Nope. All right. We'll come back tomorrow for the uh, the introduction of Jeremy Piven's character.
1: Ah uh, yes. To that. The, the great uh, Jeremy Piven. Uh, okay. So shall I? do this we flip, we flip this now haven't we so we, this we was.
0: It, so we might as well yeah
1: right okay this was minute 34 the gross plant blank podcast debbie radio 79.5 fm featuring your co-hosts co-writers and co-producers dev soliger and myself
0: hugh david today's guest as all this week has been bubble wheat of the fight club minute podcast and where can we find you bubble wheat um, it
2: you can find me everywhere. Where on social media, where I'm at Bubba Weed and uh, there you can find me uh, promoting all the latest stuff on all my various projects. Uh, one other podcast that I do that uh, comes out every other week, it is a music podcast, and it is called uh, Lyrical Innuendo. And uh, me and a co-host, we discuss a song. We do a different song each episode. We Do varying different uh, eras, genres going back as far as the 50s, uh, as well as some recent songs. And we take the song and we dig into the lyrics and we decide if the song is has a subtext, whether it's actually about sex, drugs, or if it's just rock and roll or, you know, some other a third thing but we we basically overanalyze the lyrics and discuss the song and the lyrics and it's that's a lot of fun and it's also part of the rabbit hole podcasting network which can be found at rabbit hole podcasts.com and those we also have the newest episodes are exclusively on spotify where we uh, do include the song in the episodes through that uh, spotify feature
0: Awesome. That's that's kind of cool.
1: Mm, very much so.
0: And you can find us uh, on All Good Podcast Players, as well as on YouTube, X, formerly known as Twitter, and Spotify, at Debbie Radio for all of those, as well as on our website, debbieradio.com And all of those are Debbie, spelt D-E-B-I.
1: And finally, if you want to have a chat, find us at the Facebook listeners group, Debbie Radio, once again, D E B I Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. Sure was clear that all of this was new Concentrating hard like a little girl Smoking for the first time It wasn't a moment a feeling of mood